Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is The Ziggler Show, inspired by the grandfather of inspiration himself, Zig Ziggler. Our focus here is you and your personal development. The way to have more tomorrow is to become more today. So we bring you the best of today's world influencers and discover how we can all apply new and classic methodologies of personal growth to our lives. In this episode, the topic is start with your people and end with your success. So your day, my day, I mean, our lives are full of projects to be done from home and family to work and business. There are so many people, even more so, I think, in the world of business and entrepreneurship, and you're going to hear us talk about that, who more often than not put priority on the project as opposed to the people. Yet our guest today, Brian Dixon, found he was shortchanging himself and in fact putting uh, people first was far more rewarding and profitable. That's what he came to and what you're going to hear here. So Brian Dixon, if you don't know him, he's a podcaster, conference speaker, and business coach and specializes in helping authors, speakers, and aspiring messengers create a sustainable business through growing their platform and creating compelling online courses. He's the co-founder of Hope Writers, a membership site of over 2000 working writers. So Brian's new book is called start with your people and it's already an instant bestseller and who's who in business and personal development world are fervently touting the book and its message. And I think the reason aside from Brian being a great guy is we're all suffering from this issue. I mean, culturally we've grown into a doing the job as the expectation going beyond that to put people first feels like a lost art really in the workplace and sadly often in the home as well. So Brian provides just acute stories, compelling data and tangible action steps to put people as your first priority, not the exception. And the message provides far more than testimony to putting people first as the right thing to do, but undeniably the most profitable to our personal lives and business bottom line. So you can visit Brian's website at briandixon.com. And I'd encourage you to check out his free clarity quiz. And of course you can get his book there, start with your people or find it on Amazon. You can get the audio at audible or wherever you buy books. I'll bring you Brian and this foundational message after sharing some great products and services from our show sponsors. Brian, your book launched three days ago as of we're talking right now. And, uh, as I told you before, man, my social media feed, it was just, it was like the Brian show. I think half of everyone I know and, and everyone that I've ever had in the show, it seems like posting pics of the book, testifying to it. I just now looked on Amazon and though I know you're just at the beginning, just going to keep climbing the ranks. It's already top 2000 books on planet earth. Number one in total quality management. Number two in Christian business and professional growth, which I saw it's one ahead of one of the all time business classics, uh, the greatest salesman in the world by Og Mandino. Uh, and I just did an interview. So I was just on a podcast being interviewed a moment ago. And I think I picked your book up twice and said, okay, I've just reading this guy's book, uh, uh Brian Dixon. Totally. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's vital to be proud of ourselves, ego in check, but proud of ourselves. And I'm just thinking, is this, you're in the whirlwind of it right now. What's a moment of pride that's just kind of stuck out to you in the past day, days, week. Oh, that's so good. You know, I, I've learned to celebrate our people, mm-hmm. and and one of the thing one of the things that we did. So, a moment of pride is uh, the book cover. Uh, there's this arrow, right? And it's real people on the cover. It's I love like a it. Yeah, avatar version of of the people, and uh, and so these are all real people on the cover. 
it starts with your family, right? So it's very Ziegler to like, you've got to start with your people, which means your family. So the first person on the, on the left side of the arrow is my wife. Uh-huh. And then it goes all the way. The, the, the person at the tip of the arrow is, is my friend and mentor, um, Amy Porterfield, uh, because that's sort of like in the online world, like it doesn't get better than Amy Porterfield. Like she's <laughs> incredible. Yeah. And so, it, but, it, but if, if you look through the arrow, it's like my home team, my family, okay. and then my extended family, and then my mastermind group of guys, your dad's on the cover, uh, my team's on the cover, uh, people that have impacted me, mentors have, uh, are on the cover. But the, the moment of pride, what we did is we took my whole book launch team. So 200 people took my book launch team. I hired the designer who did these avatars and we did a custom avatar for every single book launch team member. And we sent it to them as just a fun little gift and what it meant to them. It cost me 85 cents per avatar. I don't mind even saying that, Goodness. but 85 cents. And it had a hundred time return on investment. I mean, in terms of the relationship and them being seen and them knowing that they, they matter. I mean, it just was everything. So that, that for me, I don't care about sales rank as much as I care about them knowing that their message mattered and, and, and that they made an impact on this book. Well, I'll put you at the top of the list. I average about a book a day that just gets sent to my office and uh, I can only think of a couple, maybe none, that had the personalization that you sent me in the book. You had a thank you card. You had the little sheet with the avatar on it that I actually am now using already as a, uh, in my morning devotional book. I'm reading a Dallas Willard book. I've got it stuck in there because it's just a cool quote you gave me. And obviously you are living out uh, what you're about uh, in people. So I, I want to get right into it. I mean, your story starts off with you doing what's called what you call a 360 degree assessment, where you ask 53 friends, clients, clients and colleagues for their honest feedback in an anonymous survey, which is just brilliant. Um, I'd actually love to, I, I don't know if you want to say it out loud, but sure. I wanted to either offline or online. I want to know which one it is. Uh, Cause yeah, I there's, get, a, there's a number of them out there. The one I use is called 360 reach 360 reach. Okay. 360 okay. research pros and cons to it. Uh, but, but I really like that one. It's uh-huh. more for personal branding. So, so specifically entrepreneurs, business leaders, uh, influencers that are listening to the show, 360 reach is a really good one because it asks a lot about like the brand of the person that, that, uh, you know, you're doing the survey. Wow. For. Okay. Beauty. Well, so you got, of course, you know, you got good and bad feedback, but you were looking for the constructive criticism, Mm-hmm. Uh, which we often don't hear. You hear the good stuff and you got some ultimately leading to you admitting you were a person who tended to put projects ahead of people. This is your story. Even admitting you're a guy who doesn't naturally love people before this event. Well, so as I was reading, I was curious before that happened, were you, how self-aware were you of that? Did this come kind of as a shock or did you look at it and go, yeah, I knew that. I, I think deep down I knew it. Okay. But I thought I had everybody fooled. Okay. Yeah, I I thought that they can't they they don't really see that I um I just I focus on results. Like I just want to get results. Mm-hmm. Like I really do. I I want to scale businesses. I want to reach more people and I w- but I wasn't starting with the people in my life. So for example, you know, I I'd, I'd get up in the middle of the dinner to go take a phone call because we're about to launch a course and the client kept calling. And I I didn't have the the language or the tools in order to to, to check in with Julie, to check in with my wife, to figure out how do I navigate that situation? And, you know, and countless examples of that, where it just felt like a little, a little crack in the dam, you know, just this little crack, a little bit of water's coming out. Yeah. It wasn't a flood, 
but I was trying to like piece it all together and, 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 and kind of trick everybody, I guess. I mean, really looking back on it, I realized that I was trying to wear a mask, but the only person I was fooling was myself. It sounds like the, uh, gosh, who is it? Uh, John Eldridge and the fig leaf, uh, that he so often talks about. Well, okay. So bottom line, Brian, I am of the same cloth. So you were speaking my language or stepping to my toes, both. And I, I have some relational history and stories I'm not proud of where I absolutely took people, mostly the ones closest to me, took them for granted in the face of the great mission. And as I was thinking about it, going through the book, I, I even took myself and my family for granted. And the mission came first, everybody else and their welfare came behind that. So obviously you realize that and endeavoring to say, you know, to change and make a difference. Okay. Obviously that's, that's great. That's huge. How important though is the piece because you went further and then went to those people and sought to rectify that, at least apologize. How important do you think that is to this journey? It's step one. Okay. It, that's, it's not, it's not even the, it's not the finish line. It's just step one. So, so step one, so for some context, so the 360 assessments anonymous. So I, I, Kevin, I still don't know to this day who took it. Like, I, I don't know exact, I, I kind of have some guesses and a few people have told me, I remember that survey and I said some things right. because I've been sharing this story, but I still don't know everybody who took it. But, but what I do know as a person of faith, what I do know is that, you know, that still small voice in, inside was saying, Brian, there are people that you need to go apologize to. Hmm. And so I sent a series of, of apology emails and some of those people didn't take the survey. Okay. Some of those people you know, hadn't heard from me for years because I didn't want to know what they would say on the survey. And so that's the first part was, was reaching out and asking for forgiveness. Um, but the, but the second part is looking at what are the patterns? What are the choices I was making in projects and in relationships that was burning the bridges and basically taking the lighter that I was holding in my hand and putting it in a drawer, like getting rid of it and, and, and sort of looking at, just it's a check-in. That's why the subtitle is the daily decision that changes everything because that's the daily decision. Like for example, I was on a team call a few, a few weeks ago and I was a little, um, what would you say? Assertive, right? I was, I was kind of pushing, leaning into one of my team members to say, Hey, we've got this big deadline and I need you to do these things. Do you think you can handle it? I remember saying that, do you think you can handle it now? I'm the boss. That's okay for me to say, but the tone and the words, and I said it in front of other people. Ah. So boom, I, I met, I missed the boat on that one. Right. Even though the book is coming out about people, I messed that one up. And so it took me about five minutes for, for, I believe for God to be like, Brian, you got to go fix that one. Right. So I I hopped over to my, one of my favorite apps is called Voxer. It's a walkie talkie app. I hop over to Voxer. I find my, that team member individually. And I send her this long message saying, Hey, listen, a, I apologize, but B like, what can I do to make it right? And, and she was cool. She said, you know, I really thank you. There was truth in what you said and I agree but I really appreciate you apologizing for your tone and the way you said it. And then the next meeting that we had with our team, I said at the beginning, Hey guys, I just want to let you know that I, I was a little short with, you know, with a team member here, they all knew who I was talking about. And uh, if, if I, first of all, I apologize to her, I want to apologize to you guys. Uh, but if I do that again, just feel free to call me out because I, I like, I want to lead in, in a way that doesn't burn bridges. And the fun thing about sharing your story is people start to hold you accountable to living out that story. Yeah. Yeah. That's a double-edged sword, but really a good one. That's right. <laughs> so 
so you have this realization, you get the feedback, yeah. you hear it, you understand it, you embrace it. And you, as you told in the story, you went about changing yourself. And as you're talking right now, you still are today. Are you, do you feel like your nature has changed since that time or through the wisdom, you've just changed your belief and behavior or some ratio of both? I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, I've had, I've had at least five people that have, that have just like met me in the last year or two, you know, cause you and I live in a, a world where we're constantly meeting new people and conferences and, you know, masterminds and different things like that. Yeah. And so people that have read the book that only met me after I started the journey, which was two years ago, uh, have, have literally said, I had no idea. Like I, as I, as I read the book about the Brian before the 360 assessment, like I would never have known. So I, I think that there's some, there's some outward evidence of change, uh, but I still know my own heart. Right. And I still yeah. know uh, the, the tendency, especially what they call it halts, right. Hung, uh, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Yeah. I know those sort of warning signs and now being a little bit more self-aware because of that 360 assessment, I can see it coming. And I know, like, I can say something as simple as, you know, especially to my wife, Julie, say, hey, I'm feeling a little hungry right now. Can we talk about this, you know, after I get something to eat? Mm -hmm. And just having that sort of language to to be aware of how I come across to people, because I really believe that you can level up your life, you can level up your business, you can take things to the next level. But if you are stepping over people to get there, it's going, you're self-sabotaging. It's going to... Um, it's going to burn out. It's, it's not going to go well unless you're really self-aware enough to make those course corrections. I want to dig into that a little bit. This is literally something that I wrote about really for myself, but I think I'll yeah. do something with it that, so here you are and you're saying, again, I, I'm so, uh, honoring of you saying, as you look to yourself, you realize not only were you doing this behavior, putting projects before people, but that you looked at yourself and said, you know, I'm not really, uh, I, I don't tend to love, you know, people first to be people directed. So going forward now today, your behavior has changed going back to that, your behavior changed, whatever percentage. So your behavior, so right. you, you have the wisdom and you are taking different action and you're behaving yet. I, and I'm, I'm coming to this because you just said it, you know, your own thoughts. So when X, Y, Z happens, you're in this environment, you meet this person, you're in this conversation, this relational things happening, you know, the thoughts that come in and they may be the same yet, you know, to do differently. You want to do different. It's it's, I'm going to give it credibility. It's, it's authentic that you want to do it, but the thought is still happening. You think, gosh, it's easy to think I, I'm still not that loving of a person. I'm doing something different. However, now come back to the last two years since this formation and the people that you know, who would since that point, who would say, I experience him to be a pretty caring, loving relationship, people first person. So then I'm, and I'm back to our own self-talk. This is Ziegler show, right? Ziegler and yes, self-talk okay. to going, gosh, okay. am I, am I not a loving person, but I'm acting differently. Or if these people for, for this period of time are experiencing me as loving Am I truly loving? I'll, I'll throw a lob that at you because I'm grappling with that. I love it. It's it's a little chicken and egg, right? It is. It's like which which one is true? I think 
I, I think it's it's based on your actions, right? We talk about this. Zig, mm-hmm. Zig talks about this all the time. It's 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 taking those uncomfortable actions. Mm-hmm. So I I have to choose a people first mindset as as opposed to a project first mindset. Right. And sometimes it's 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 as simple, Kevin. It's as simple as just sending a little message, just like a little Facebook message, like, "Hey, I might be late." That's it. Hey, I might be late. Like, how long does that take to do? Yeah. But it's just enough to let people know, hey, I'm thinking about you and I don't want to inconvenience you. And and I've I've started to do that, but but you know, I'm I'm an Enneagram three. I'm really focused on achievement. I'm focused on productivity. You know, that's that's where I really excel. And the relationship part is where I struggle. And so what I've learned to do is sort of process it through through the through my sort of machine brain and go, okay, what are habits and systems that I can implement to, to put people first. And, and this book is resonating with people that are more productivity driven and schedule driven and habit driven where it's not connecting at all, which is very interesting. And I don't mind going there is with people that are more already relational. Like they're like, Oh yeah, I knew that, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's a strategic book because I basically break down how do you better approach each of your key relationships in your life and, uh, and actually, I, I, again, I don't mind going there. My, my friend and business partner in our writing community called Hope Writers, Emily P. Freeman, she gave an endorsement of the book. And if you read the whole endorsement at the beginning of the book, it's a little um, transparent. I, I, you know, I knew Brian, I've known Brian for a long time, and I've known him as the kind of guy that really struggles with relationships. I mean, she is authentic and she goes there. And, and, uh, what's and we left it in the book like yeah. that and that's one of those endorsements you like like i don't that doesn't paint me in the best light like maybe i won't use that <laughs> but that's what it means to put people first is yeah. is not being like being okay with not uh faking it not having it necessarily all together so listen i'm the biggest offender right i'm the greatest sinner when it comes to burning out relationships and focus on what mm. can i get out of this relationship but i also think the obstacle is the way like i think the the same challenge that you have is all the, on the flip side of that is also the solution so i i treat i treat relationships too formulaic well, the, the way to fix the relationships is another formula. It's a different formula. But in this one, it's let me write thank you notes and just be strategic about how many thank you notes I write. Let me go through my friend list and like make sure, hey, it's been three weeks since we followed up. Let me send a nice little message. It's their birthday. I'm going to be the guy to send the birthday greeting. Now, you might say, okay, well, that's just living your life by a, ch- a checklist or, t- or to-do list. Maybe so. Such, I think that's such are all good part, habits, right? yeah. Yeah. But they're all good habits and, and, and they make a difference for people. And the people that really know me, like they, they can read, they read my manual. Like they know, you know, Julie knows that, okay, our anniversary is coming up. Brian went and bought an anniversary card. Why? Because it was on his list. Yeah. But also it was on my list. Here's the chicken and egg part. It was on my list because I love her Yeah. because I want to grow our relationship. So I'm, I'm okay with the math because the, the sum of all of that is, is increased intimacy in the most important relationships. Gosh, that, that is great. I've done the same thing and I've literally been face to face with my wife in that moment where we've talked about the issue and this happens and there's the pause and she sees me and then I do it like I'm supposed to. And she knows I'm yep. doing it because we've talked about, it, and she goes, thank you. 
Thank you. Mm. And, and personality style wise, I don't understand that as much because it, yeah, I can feel like, gosh, you know that we talked about this, you know, that it's the thing. It doesn't feel as authentic, but she, she recognizes the effort. So it's interesting that you pull that out of who it's resonating with and who it's not. Hey, it's niche marketing. That's great. Right. You know, so we'll put this out and say for all you guys like us, which in this world that we're talking to right now, the Ziegler audience and the other, you know, the, I'd say personal development podcast, there's gotta be a high majority of people or they're here because they can tend to be task focused. And this is profound. Friends, you're listening to The Ziegler Show, and I'm wondering how many of you can relate to putting projects and tasks ahead of people. So next, I asked Brian about his impetus to write this book and bring this message to us. Was it simply because of his experience, or is he seeing this issue culturally? Well, I bet you can guess his answer, but you're going to want to hear how he's seeing it play out and what we can most tangibly do about it immediately. So I'll bring him right back after sharing some relevant products and services from our show sponsors. So, you know, obviously you had this personal experience and we could say surmise that from that you come out and boom, here's this book, but I know you didn't do it as an autobiography. Uh, no. and I assume that as you did that, you it's, you know, the reticular activator, there's our scientific term for when you do something, you start noticing it elsewhere that this is something that you're seeing as a, well, I don't know. I'll ask a, a cultural issue propensity, maybe even more so in business. Yeah, it's, I think it's very culturally relevant right now. You know, we, we look at the current election cycle or, you know, the way that politically we're, we're pretty divided, or at least that's what the media wants us to think, Right, right. you know, and you look at, you look at Zig, like Zig, Zig would say, uh, help enough people get what they want and yeah. you can have whatever you want. Right. And, and so there's strategy there. Um, but, but if you help people get what they want, it's also putting people first and, so I, I, I just think that the reason, the reason I wrote this book, like your mess is your message. You know, the thing you're struggling with the most is also, I believe as a person of faith, that that's the, that's the, that's, that's what God is working. Like he's working in you to complete that good work he began. And the good work he began is like, Brian's a cool guy to hang out and hang out with. And like Brian makes people's day. And, and when, when he walks in a room, like the room lights up because he brings a smile and he brings attention and focus and encouragement. But along the way, I chose the lesser path. Like I chose in, in, in daily, like in little subtle ways to get my way. And I think we all do that. And so the, the message that, that I've been learning in my, my own life, my own personal struggle has been, how do I include people? How do I let them go first? How do I, how do I um, engage in a way that makes them feel awesome? And I've been taking notes and, oh, that one worked and that one didn't. And as I've taken notes about like, for example, really, really tactical, okay? How do you improve your marriage? I believe if you pray with your wife every single day, your marriage improves, there you go. So how do you do it? I was married for 14 years before I started praying daily with, with Julie. 14 years. Okay. So, and I know not everybody's faith-based here, but, but, but think about the concept of just taking the time to slow down and connect, and connect with your spouse. Strategically, if I do that every day before, before I go to bed, before I close my eyes or reach my hand over in bed and I say, hey, let's pray. And then I short prayer, just that connection improves your marriage. 
So though that's the kind of tips that you get, if you will, in the book. I think it's it's bigger than that. It's really about the lifestyle of what it means to to be a, a people first person. But it's more of a my friend Jonathan Milligan calls it a um, a manual for how to deal with people because some of us need a manual. Yeah. Like I'm okay with that because I needed a manual and I didn't have one. And some of you guys listening right now, you're like, oh, I need a manual for how to better treat my wife or better treat my team. That's what this book's all about. Well, it, it is. And I think we would look at it. You know, I do want to point out to everybody listening, this is not just a, how do I, how do I say this? It's not just an altruistic, you know, hey, here's the right thing to do. It's also, sure. gosh, it's kind of like Dina Dwyer. Uh, Dina Dwyer, she has the book called Values, Inc. And she talks about their huge corporation and putting values first. Oh, and we did $2 billion worth of business. And yet she's saying it pays off as well. And you didn't preface this. So this is my paraphrasing folks. Uh, But what I look at it, it's the right thing to do and it pays off. And you have some distinct stories, one of which I'll I'll share, but I want to come back to you talking about your wife. You actually have a part in the book where you're talking about uh, first thing in the morning. So I just recently interviewed and everybody will know, uh, Hal Elrod, you know, the, yeah, the Hal's, awesome. Uh, Hal's awesome. He has the miracle yeah. morning and talks about these great, incredible things. However, you come and not to, not that you're contrarian to that, but you're saying first thing in the morning is people first. And you just mentioned a minute ago, Zig's quote, his most famous one, his mantra for life. You can have everything in life you want. Feel help enough. Other people get what they want. So I, a little, little red flag went off to me though, of people who might discount that. And one of them could even be me if I didn't know better of saying some of the fear in that, some of the concern in that is in always putting people first. We take this thing and go forward and look out that there can be some people who are going to have a little fear of, I'm going to be consumed by everybody right. else's needs. And I think I have found myself in that place. I have a big family. And on the other side too, I'm also going, oh my gosh, I, I'm terrible at boundaries and, I, and I'm going to kill myself. I've got to set some. So I'm going to lob that at you in, in a sense of, I, I get people first. Nobody's not going to read the book and get it. Um, mm-hmm. They get that. But for those who are out there going, gosh, can I do that and also protect what I've got to do? Maybe even self-care to some aspect, or am I going right. to get gobbled up by people I'll leave it there and let you respond. Yeah. You know, there's actually a chapter on one of the most important people in your life, which is you. Yeah. I call it your future self. This is very Zig, right? One one nineteen, page 119. And it's all about your, your map, your roadmap, having a clear vision for your life. I have an exercise in there called the, the life calculator where, um, it's a spreadsheet, but you can use it to do it on paper too, but look at your life right now. Where am I right now? What's my age? What are my kids' ages? What's my income? Yeah. How much sleep did I get? And then, and then you you project it out over the next year, the next ten years, the next thirty years, whatever it hap- happens to be. So having a clear vision allows us to really show up for our people. So it does. It doesn't start with you. I really do believe that it starts with with the people in your life, right? And and connecting with them. But it's not that complicated. Uh, what what I've been trying to do ever ever since this message um, really started to impact me, and I started writing it down is is asking two two questions. So here, really practical. Here are two questions that you can ask on a daily basis to the important people in your life, which I'd say is your family, your friends, your team your, your boss, your clients, et cetera, is what can I do to make your day? 
And so I asked Julie that every single morning. So I've got my morning routine, Kevin. I'm, I'm up at 4.30. I spend an hour with God. I do a journaling. I review my calendar. I, I set out my big rocks for the day. Like I've got this whole thing. I mean, before anybody's even awake. Yeah. But when, Julie, when, when, when Julie's awake and, and we're getting ready for the day, I, one of the things I ask her is like, hey, what can I do to make your day? She's so used to me saying it now. And usually it's something really small. It's like, hey, can you you know, can you go drop this thing off or can you make that phone call or you can schedule that appointment? And I think that's the, like, it's just about really small habits. So that's one question, sort of the positive version of it. What can I do to make your day? And then the more sort of introspective, constructive one is what are you working through? This right here has unlocked so, so much in my business and in my life. When I ask a friend, Hey man, what are you working through right now? Like I, I play, I started playing soccer as a 41 year old guy for fun once a week with a bunch of just a pickup game. And that's my go-to question now. So it's not like, Hey man, how's your week or how you doing? It's, mm-hmm. Hey, what are you working through? And Kevin on the sidelines of a soccer field, guys have confessed that they're struggling in their marriage, that they hate their job, that their house isn't selling like they hoped it would. I mean, these are deep conversations and I can show up at, on the soccer field. You know, it doesn't take any extra time, but the level of those, uh, the, the depth of those relationships is dramatically different than it would have been a few years ago. Man, that is so interesting. Have you by chance uh, been to one of, I don't know what he's calling them, Pete Vargas's lunches or dinner or something yeah, he's doing. He calls these, these mastermind dinners. Yeah. Pete, Pete's a friend and I, oh. I love his course on speaking. So I've never, I've not been to one of the dinners yet. Um, oh, well, I just, so I just, I interviewed him months ago, but we just had lunch together a couple of weeks ago. And he talked about that and getting these key people together and influential people, I, I would say, as you know, and asking, uh, two questions. I think it's basically just what's, what's working for you. What's working for you in your business. And then the second, of course I wanted to know what these questions were from the, all the stuff I'm here. And the second one, what is not working and the power of that one and people coming out of that thing going, oh, that was one of the most impacting, uh, social engagements I've ever had in my life. And it sounds like you're doing that similar thing. What are you working through right now? It, it's so far beyond the, Hey, how you doing? I don't really care. I'm just saying that. And I try not mm-hmm. even to say that anymore, but to actually ask, no, really, really, how are you doing? I mean, that's powerful. That's, you know, uh, thank you. There's I, another I've book. It, There's your second book right there. The second book. What are you working yeah. through? I've used it in like in line at Target, line in Starbucks. Like, hey, how are you? I'm awesome. What are you working through? Huh. And they often say, Kevin, they often say, oh, I'm fine. Like that's the first answer. <laughs> yeah. And then they think about what I actually said. And so what are you working through? And immediately something comes to mind. And it's mm-hmm. one of those key areas in the wheel of life. It, it always is. Yeah. And generally it's a relationship. Oh. And it's, it's a, it's a usually a familial relationship. So it's, you know, my mom and I aren't getting along or my spouse and I, or, or my kid, usually it has to do with our kids. And Hey, I have a doctorate in education. I worked with kids for 14 years. You have an issue with your kid. Let's have a conversation. And I might not have all the answers, but I can at least point you in, in a direction. And so it's just like drive by life coaching. You know, there's been so many opportunities that I've had by asking that one little question. So, and ultimately it's caring. It's taking a moment to care and not just duck away. Like I, again, I'm prone, I'm prone to do. I mean, you mentioned, it's actually a couple of times in the book about a, well, no, you talk about a specific story of a funeral you attended and the relational power that you saw the people that this person had obviously cared for. I think we've, I assume most people have heard, you know, the death bet 
deathbed regrets, and they mostly center on relationships. So we hear that some unbelievably powerful testimony to read that. But even there, I I fear that, and you know, even I think through it myself. Of course, that's what's going to matter to me right then is, is regrets or gratitude for relationships I had. But today, it's not really a what's in it for me today. And unfortunately, you know, we're a microwave society that wants a result right now. I want to bring the message up to that speed as well. Of course, from a lifetime and looking at legacy okay. and, and maturity and lifetime value, we want that. But today, we're also saying, look, if, and I see you saying in the book, Right now, today, whatever you're dealing with, whatever progress you're not making, whatever discomfort and whatever is not working, this is the place to go first is the people and in being sitting here where I am at the, at the, the feet of so many influencers like yourself, for as long as I have, I hear it over and over and over and over. And yet it's even me, it's slow growth to change that habit and to put that mindset on and to realize, no, the thing that I is most important right now is not this project. It's the person that I just walked into my door or the person calling. And again, for personality style, such as, as mine as well, it's a big, it's a face shift. I guess I hadn't thought about it. That was the fa- is that really going to pan out? Cause we're talking tangible end of the day results. Is that really going to pan out sitting here talking for 20 minutes with somebody caring, but we're just kind of, it feels like chit chat and this is just really going to, and you're saying, well, you're sitting here as a result and having dramatic success. I guess that's the story. Oh, you know, in, in the, in the launching of this book, I was down in Orlando. I live in Charlotte. I was down in Orlando, Florida at a conference, you know, getting this book launched and my next door neighbor, like Dan, my next door neighbor, 41 years old, I'm 41 years old, has a seven-year-old, I have a seven-year-old, died of a heart attack. Mm. And we've only lived in this house for like three months. So I had three months with Dan. And by the time I got back, it was four days after, I, we missed his, I missed his funeral because I was, I was at a conference for four days. So think about that, Kevin. In four days, somebody that I, I li- like when I, when I drove away to go to the airport mm-hmm. to, for, or to get in the van, to go down to Orlando, um, I was pull, I, I brought the, uh, the garbage out to the, to the curb, the garbage can out to the curb. And Dan did the same. So I saw him, he was the last person I saw as I left Charlotte and then he died like a day later. Wow. Right. And, and then, and I never saw him again. Right. And I even missed his funeral. And, and what hit me in that moment is it was four days. There was four days from when I saw him, to when he was buried, four days. So if we live, instead of living, uh, love him or hate him, Nick Saban talks about this, you know, how, how most football is, is like, I think it's eight seconds. Like most, most, most football plays are, it, it's an eight second game. What if, we lived our, what if we lived our life in four-day increments? That is there something that I would do today that, I, that, that is going to be shared at my funeral in four days from now? Is there something I would say to my daughter or my son that in four days from now, when they have to stand up and give the eulogy at my funeral, they're going to say, that's one of the last things my dad said to me that hit me between the eyes thinking about that. And so um, I think that the whole concept is teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. So number our days, Dan had four days, like think about that. And so, you know, I, I don't tell the story in the book, but I was in this life changing car accident when I was 18 years old. 
it was a it was an icy road. I was I went to this little college in Canada, and uh, it was early morning. Skid right onto the main highway. My brakes wouldn't work at all because because of, of the ice. It was this freak ice storm the night before in February in Manitoba, Canada, and I got t-boned by a car going highway speed. They couldn't stop either. I leaned towards the middle of the car, got hit highway speed, closed my eyes, and I thought that's it. Like. I'm going to wake up, I'm going to open up my eyes and I'll be in heaven. And I, instead I, I opened my eyes and I saw my hands and I, I, I moved my hands as if for the first time looking at them, just in awe that my fingers still work thinking, of course I'm paralyzed. I'm at least I'm alive though. And three doctors told me I should have died and I'll never walk again. And now Kevin, you probably know, like I run triathlons, yeah. like yeah. I'm a very active person. I ran three miles this morning and I just, I believe life is so short. Like I live on borrowed time because I really did. Brian Dixon died on on 18 years old. Now I don't have a dramatic story like how where he literally right. his heart stopped, but the same concept. And what if we live that way? What if we lived in a way that what I said today to my wife, today to my team is the last thing I said to them because I only have four days. That changes your whole perspective. Yeah. Listen, it prevents affairs. It absolutely does. There's no way I would have an affair if I knew in four days from now, my wife is going to have to meet my mistress. Yeah. What? You know, that changes the whole conversation. Like, it, I'm not going to cheat in my business because in four days from now, they're going to go through the books and they're going to figure it out. And that will be my legacy after my death that I can't fix it. So if I live that way, of course, I'm going to put people first. Of course, mm. I'm going to take a little extra time to say, what are you working through? And when they tell me to say, let me, let me help you with that. Let me introduce you to this person on email. Let me move my calendar around. Like it's really not that inconvenient, but it makes such a world of difference. You'll appreciate this. Actually, you probably know about it. You've probably known about it for a long time because you uh, spend more time with my own dad than I do, uh, which is really cool. He, <laughs> I was on the phone with him uh, a couple of days ago for a long call and he shared the this is an, an exercise in a sense where he went down a piece of paper and I guess he espouses this now and mm-hmm. said, who, uh, it was this 3am list. Who could he call at 3am? And I think it was, if he was in dire straits and needed $10,000 and you know, I'm hearing that going, yeah, that, that, that's cool. And I'm thinking right in my head, Oh, you know, that person, that person, he says, I think it should be one for every year of your life. I'm 48 and he's, what is he? 74 or something like that. And he says he's gotten his list to a hundred, a hundred people who he thinks would take his call at 3am. If he needed to borrow $10,000, I thought, man, I, I, that's talk about convicting. And as I thought about that, if I hold that up as a measurement, I got some work to do. I got some people to invest in some people who I put off for, for projects, even the projects of my family, which I'm not going to minimize that. But yeah. still, where am I reaching out to for support? Now, I do have some people, and I'm very aware of that, that if I was ever in dire straits, I, 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 you know, I, I'd never be homeless. I've always got people to call on. But let's get a little more intimate as he's talking about, and that's what you're leading us to. So I, I want to, in a tangible sense, uh, when we look at this, I appreciate – I was literally reviewing your book, writing some notes for this, and I got a text – from my sister, Ashley, who, you know, well, and it's, I think it was once she sent to our, our fa- you know, family, mom, dad, uh, my brother, Jared and, and myself. So it's a little family text. And it was Simon Sinek on Tom Bilyeu's show, Impact Theory, uh, both of who I, I've interviewed, amazing guys, the video clips titled, if you want to know why people fall in love and stay in love, watch this. Simon in his dramatically eloquent 
poignant way goes through and I'm going to paraphrase it and says, well, let's go to that list. My dad talks about, you're not going to cultivate a relationship like that with one big offering with one big act of service with one big gift, whatever that's going to come over time with trust. And that's ultimately what he's saying. And he's talking about it with leadership and falling in love, but leadership as well is saying, if you want to have that kind of loyalty, that kind of relationship, that kind of leadership, that kind of impact influence, it's going to come through day to day, just as you talked about with like some of the things your wife says with how can I make your day? It's little things, but it's a daily. And he uses the word innocuous, which I really like those seemingly innocuous things that go, that happen every single day. And so I'm thinking about that and thinking about the message that I'm reading right then in your book and thinking, you know what? I think with my family, I'm pretty solid. I'm pretty solid there, but man, you step out of my house and I go elsewhere. I am project oriented, whether the project is getting groceries at the store and seeing somebody I know, and really just kind of hoping that we don't make eye contact. Cause I'm, I got, you know, whatever my agenda is, uh, that I'm not doing it there. And bottom line, reading your book, I I saw, I'm missing it. I'm missing it. I'm doing it. Uh, I I'm, you know, I'm, I'm spiting my own self in doing this and I just lost it. And you brought me back. So, you know, when people are looking at this, everybody's looking for that. What's the call to action. I love what you said about your wife. It's the little things asking, caring. It's probably going to be things that are fully, you can do them. It's not going to overwhelm you. And what it adds up to is, well, again, that's the story you're telling us. That's right. And see, and that's just the first quarter of the book. It is. So we start with people. And people lead to purpose. And so many people, even listening right now, are like, I don't really know my purpose. But I know my purpose. My purpose is to show up for my people. My purpose is to help them get unstuck. And I can name my people. I know who my reader is. I know who my team is. I know who my family is. I know who my friends are. And I need to show up for them. That's my purpose, is to show up for your people. And that, that purpose, living out your purpose, leads to profit. Because when you show up for people, you get paid more. It just yeah. works that way. More people want to work with you. More people want to hire you to come speak or to come coach or to work with your team. And that profit, that, that generating that income, uh, that leads to the practice. How do, I cons- how do I consistently do that? What is my morning routine? And it's the cycle of starting with people, which lead to purpose, which leads to profit, which leads to your daily practice. And so if you're looking for a resource with really actionable strategies that have been battle tested, like that's really what the book is. Well, you, to get tangible, you bring it into the workplace. You have a section that talks about bosses. It really just brought me to both sides though, just to the career in general. So I, I don't have a boss. I've, I've not gone, you know, I get to be my boss, but I've as I talked about, I have violated this with my team where the mission is first. I expected that they know they're on board and that they, they know I care about them, but the, we're missional focused and I right. have violated this. Now on the other side though, you talk about bosses and coming from an employee perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pr- what it got me to thinking of is, you know, and you say this doing the job in essence, I'm paraphrasing is not enough doing the job you're hired for is not enough. If you're there, your primary job is to help kind of the going back to Zig's quote, help uh, other people get what they want, help your boss, whether it's the manager, the, the boss, the founder, right. or whatever. And it made me think I'm working with some of my adult kids who are doing some employee roles of they have more than the job. And that can seem almost unfair. Like seriously, I, so I, it's not enough to just do my job. And I thought, you know, it's as an employer, it's not, I expect you to be great. That's why I hired you. If you're not good at it, then, uh, you're not going to be here. If you're good at it, great. That's what I expect. 
But in essence, you are replaceable. Now, if you go to where you call us to, to where that person's goal is to make my agenda their priority and help me get what I want as the boss, man, they're now irreplaceable. It made me think of an employee we have. I think, I think there's, I think she's had four raises in less than three years or so. I love that. And, and because she, you know, she pushed for him, but on our side, man, we can't afford to get rid of her. She has made herself there and you again, bring that out. And I talk about the culture right now. And, you know, we're talking about millennials, man, it's a scary place. I, I see that less and less and less people think they're there to do that job. That's it. And, and that is not, there, there's no safety and security. I, lo- I just love the way you outline it. That's right. I, I work with a number of millennials and they, they yeah. joke with me every once in a while. They, hash, they send me a hashtag and it's millennial redemption really? because I actually believe wow. that the heart of millennials, the mission focus of yeah. millennials is really powerful. And we as leaders, I, I speak on multi-generational relationships in the, in the workplace because I think we as leaders can tap into that heart. They want to live out their purpose. If you think about it, they're, they're the kids post 9-11 kids. So they live in, a, in an age of terrorism. They live in an age of, of school shootings and movie theater shootings. I have, I have a friend who was in the, the, um, the Aurora, um, right. the movie theater, the Batman movie theater where I mean, she lost her knee. Like, like oh that's a real deal. Like that's, I know her like Bonnie Kate, I know her and, and I'm not a millennial, but, but I know someone who's been a victim of, of, of that violence. You know, they, their parents lost their jobs. So, so, so that, that whole, so if you think about why is a millennial the way they are, it's because all of the foundation that our, that us as 40 year olds, our world is built on has crumbled in the last 10 years. And they're, 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 you know, their house is built on the sand and they're like, well, it might as well be a boat instead of a house. So I'm going to be free reign and I'm going to have these gigs and, you know, not really commit long-term because, Hey, it's just about the moment because the moment's not going to last very long. So, so I have seen the value of millennials that they really do want to show up for people. They really do want to put service first. You just have to figure out how to, how to speak that language to them. And um, so, so what I talk about in the book, the boss chapter specifically, is two things. Help your boss win the day, or another yeah. version of it is help your boss look awesome. So, you know, I work with your dad, and my job is to make Dan Miller look awesome. Like my job, that's my only job. Now, the way I do that is through co-managing his membership site and showing up for Zoom webinars and making sure all the logistics are good, but basically to make him never look like an idiot, right? That's my main job is just to make sure Dan looks great. And it's not a showy thing. It's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a performance thing. It's, a, it's about anticipating his needs and, and trying to help in any way I can with my skill set uh, to help him win. And, and that's what we do. And I believe that's what we do for our clients. So even if you're self-employed or you're an entrepreneur, what would it look like if we really showed up for our clients and helped them win the day? And, and I've tried to do it with my coaching clients. Um, and it's as simple as I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reading a, you know, a, a blog and, and I, I see this tip and I say, that would be perfect for Jennifer. And then I message her and I say, Hey, Jennifer on Instagram, send her a little voice message. I say, Hey, Jennifer, I'm going to send you a, an article. I was thinking about you. Here's the tip. I hope that helps you. And I'll, and I'll include the link below. That took me five seconds, you know, from the couch, right? Like five seconds, but it helps her win the day. Now, that's right. That's my That's purpose great. is to help my people win the day. And it's, of course, it's going to lead to profit because when it comes to our conversation about her continuing coaching with me, she's a hundred percent in because she knows I show up for her. 
So on that right there, helping people win the day. So I, I mentioned that I, I was interviewed for a podcast just prior to this one. Uh, that's one of the times I picked your book up and I referenced it because the guy asked me, and this was in regards to the podcasting. And he asked me about uh, counsel on how I grew the Ziegler show and, and how we did things, how I got some of the big people on there. And I didn't even answer it with my own example. I used yours. I, I told him, I said, go get the book, go get the book and read this chapter because <laughs> I don't think I have ever done it that exemplary. And it was a story of how you got involved with my dad and talk about millennials. So I found myself, Brian, talking to my kids who, again, they grew up with this stuff. They know it, but now that they're in there, it's a kind of a reminder of guys, if you want to be, uh, if you want to get that opportunity, if you want to be irreplaceable, That's help right. somebody, I didn't use those words, help somebody win the day. So on that, I, I'm going to ask you to share how you yeah. started off with my dad, because I feel like it's some of the greatest counsel to anyone out there, millennial or not, of if you want an opportunity, uh, I can't think of a better example. So there you go. I love it. Thanks. Thanks for asking it. And, and um, you, so there's a map. I call it the People Map. It's on page 178 of of Start with Your People. And it's essentially, if you want to build a relationship with an influencer, or you want to make a connection with somebody in your field, there is a strategy. Now, I'm not saying strategy over relationship, okay? But there is a strategy to follow, just like Zig taught strategy all day long, but he was a very people-centered and people-focused, people-first leader. So it's the people map. So basically you say, okay, here's where I am right now, okay? And I want to connect to this person right Mm -hmm. here. So in this example, it was Dan Miller. I want to connect to Dan. Dan's amazing. Are you kidding me? Like he is an incredible person and I don't know him at all. So what can I do? So- I can get closer proximity. So who do I know who knows Dan? That's as simple as it, as it comes, right? So there's examples in the book about how, you know, that worked with Mike Hyatt and that worked with Dan Miller and that worked with yeah. our, our friend Kent Julian. And, it, and it's a strategy that works because we show up and we serve. So we look at it and we say, I want to connect to this person, but this person is like three degrees of separation away from where I am. So what can I do? Let me backtrack. And you can use tools like LinkedIn and Facebook to see who's friends with who or who attended a conference with who and look at it and say, who knows this person that I want to connect with? You know, so like you mentioned Simon Sinek, I don't know Simon personally, but I know, you know, Simon. So what can I do to show up for Kevin that one day, maybe he'll introduce me to Simon. You know what I mean? And so that's the, the people map part. The second part, which I, which I talk about in the book is the concept of showing up and serving. So what I did with Dan is I attended his conference. I paid to go, right? So we, we want to be um, a case study for our mentor. So buy their program, buy their book, highlight it, like implement what they're teaching, show up, pay, pay to go, and then look for one thing, one thing that's broken, like one thing that could be fixed. So in the, in the, in the book, I tell a story about my friend Scott who wanted to be a Hollywood composer and he was following these Hollywood composers and he couldn't get anybody to listen to his demo. And he was on the website of one of these Hollywood composers that he really looked up to. And he found five spelling errors on the website. So what does he do? He shows up and he serves. Now, the guy might not be hiring him to you know, create the, the score for the next big blockbuster film, but Scott could at least fix some spelling errors. And so he sent an email to the, to the webmaster link on that website and said, hey, I noticed these five spelling errors on your website and uh, here are the fixes and just want to let you know I really respect you know, your work and thanks for all you do. 
Five minutes later, he gets an email from Larry, from the composer, saying, thanks so much. I'll forward that to my team. By the way, I looked at your website. I noticed that you use this software program. I'm having trouble with the software program. Could you come to my house and help me? And within an hour, Scott was at the La Jolla uh, beachfront mansion of this really famous composer, helping him with this software program. And, and, you know, similar thing happened to me with Dan, where, where I went to coaching with excellence. I signed up, I paid, I showed up and I looked around and I noticed that most people there had a website, but they didn't have a video. And we know from coaching, it's all about person. It's all about a personal connection and a great way to build up that know, like, and trust that rapport is by being on video. Like you want, you want people to see your face and your facial expression, hear your voice. And so I, I reached out to Dan after the conference and I said, Hey, Dan, I would love to do video for your for coaching with excellence. I would love to set up in in that sec, in that spare bedroom that you have there at the sanctuary. I'll bring all my equipment. I'll do it for free, and I will create a custom video for every single one of your forty eight attendees mm-hmm. for free, just because I want to serve you and because I want to serve them. And he said, "Are you kidding? You know how he is. He's like, yeah, are you yeah. kidding me?" He said, yeah, absolutely. I even offered to pay for the conference. He said, you don't have to pay for the conference and you can even stay at the sanctuary. You can stay at my house. That's where our relationship began because I saw something that was broken or not even broken. That's, that's even a little too harsh. It's where is an opportunity yeah. to help them, help them look awesome, right? Where's an opportunity that you can make things a little better. And the next time I spoke at the conference, I spoke at the coach of excellence like five times. Dan and I are in business together to this day. That's years later because I saw an opportunity to help him and, uh, and, and just presented it. And he could have said no. And he often does, and people ask to help him all the time. But but when you pay attention to what that person really is trying to achieve and where they're trying to go, often you can find one way to help them get a little further. Well, you did just outline my primary methodology of success. I feel like I don't have many quivers. That's pretty much it, man. I got I got that. <laughs> I learned to use it well, and I do. It's one person to the next. But I mean, what you're showing is well. Gosh, to my dad's credit, that's where I got my definition of luck, where preparation meets opportunity. I mean, you did have a skill and a viable skill and a resource to offer. You brought it to the table. You did, and you offered it. But I also like that you offered it for free. Were you hoping for reciprocity? Of course. You you, you knew that something good, you know, you reap what you sow. We all know that. That's right. And you didn't go forward and leverage it. I I think I wanted to pull that out a little bit because I have seen some people, I've heard stories of where somebody then comes back and tries to leverage it, not with an outright you owe me, but man, the mo I want to get that people. The moment you try to leverage it, you're you just killed it. You just killed it. And and I see you hmm. offering it freely, and that's what brings the reciprocity. And yeah, I heard I even the other day my dad talked about stuff you guys are doing. I didn't even know the depth of it, and it's massive. And you showed up, and you gave what you had to offer, uh, and it's amazing. I, it's almost. There's so many great messages. I, I I want that one preached out there. Again, maybe that's your next book. That's your third book. We got two more books uh, for <laughs> you already. I, I mean, okay. I can't I can't stop this without talking about your uh, the 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 testimonial on spousal support. 
Um, yeah. because you put that there and right now in, in my audience, as I'm sure as in yours, as well as in my dad's, we have so many people who are out trying to increase their careers, grow in their careers and start businesses. A lot of them, whether it's a part-time business, a full-time mm-hmm. business, either way, they know that their business is themselves, even if they are an employee. And you talk about the support of the spouse and you do hold, you use the example of my parents and I wanted to at least take the opportunity, if nothing else, for their sake to say, you know what? I was there. I saw the wow. nitty gritty. And you want to know the truth? Yeah. Everything you said is, is correct. What I saw uh, yeah. in their support of each other, and even in the book, you talked about how you've seen my dad, Dan, seen him support Joanne. That wasn't always the case as much as it is now. And I got to see right. that fruition as well, to see where the focus was primarily him and, at a, there, and the timeline that he came to of going, I, I need to be supporting Joanne and what she wants to do, which he does so much. That was a testimony. And I've gone through my own uh, trajectory of doing that in my marriage and coming back. And, yes. and, and, and again, a faith aspect of no matter how important I think the project is, paying the bills, whatever. I need to be supporting and like over here. And from that, I have somebody who has faith in me and what I am you know, doing over here in the entrepreneurial world. But you talk about your own journey, you know, with your wife, with your kids and how you are I must, balancing. We always use that word. I really felt yes, like what came okay. out to me is respecting you respecting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have five friends. You know, I, I mostly I mostly work with uh, female uh, faith based entrepreneurs. Dan's kind of the one exception to my my sort of core audience of of clients. Well, and well, let me and, ask right there. I didn't know that. How did that yeah. How did that niche come to pass? Uh, you know, the concept is is what, what's obvious to you is magic to other people, and and so what's obvious to me is is how to do marketing strategy, yeah. how to how to do copywriting. Like I just love the the words and how you get conversions to people say yes to your course or your you know w- your book, whatever you happen to offer. Um, and I love the tech. Like I just love you know the huh. the, the gadgets and the way things connect to each other. And and I just nerd out on all those details. Um, and I I love message like messages like life changing messages. I grew up as a preacher's kid. I love life changing messages. And and what I've found in in 2019 2020 like in this era that we live in is most books are, are written and purchased by women. Most blogs and social media is is female centric as well. Hmm. Like it's the age of of the female entrepreneur. And 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 where I'm painting with a really broad brush, so please forgive me for being too general. But most of the female entrepreneurs that I've worked with, they don't love sales funnels and Infusionsoft and 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 like the the metric part. And I love that stuff. So I started working with, you know, uh, Crystal Payne was one of my first clients, the money saving mom, and yeah. and I helped her with some online video and and Facebook ads. And it was the first time they'd ever run Facebook ads. But I love Facebook ads; they're so much fun, and it's so interesting what we can do and terms of the targeting and the follow-up and the retargeting there's all kinds of cool things you can do and and that's what i've what's what, that's what i figured out is like how can the thing i'm really good at help somebody who is really sort of allergic to that thing yeah. you know so i love math and i work with people that are kind of allergic to math 
That, okay, so that's brilliant. <laughs> Thus, you're working <laughs> with my dad, uh, which I fully understand. I want you to work with me too. Uh, so here's, again, what you look at, uh, I was thinking about you know, with every ad that I have on the show, there's always the required call to action, the thing. And on sure. this, uh, it's not necessarily a call to action, but here's you know, ways that folks listening can take action right now. I love the list. It's right here. It's on page 207, and it's quick exercises to help you put people first. And I loved it. I experienced you doing it to, to me. And mm-hmm. I wanted to just give a quick run through. I did a um, show a couple weeks ago and shoot, I didn't go back and look at this to get my notes right beforehand, but it was right. Ziggs. It was kind of his keys to personal relationships. And he had a list of 10 things. And I asked people where they felt like they did best and where they were, they were having a hard time. The number one area that they cited that they had the hardest time with, and this came from his literal list and it was remembering and calling people by their names. That was the number one place people said they're bad. That is the number one thing you have written down in your 10 exercise, learn their name. So you just, you just brought the whole Ziegler show to a complete (laughs) circular fruition. Brian, thank you for that. Amazing. Well, I mean, Zig changed my life. Like, I I think that's, you know, you're doing obviously an amazing job with the, with the show, but I think many, the the number one reason people are listening is because the impact Zig had on them and it continues to have, which is just incredible. Um, and uh, you know, so so I've learned so much from him and, and one of the, one of the concepts is just the idea that, that the sweetest sound in the whole world is the sound of your own name. This actually, Kevin, this happened to me this morning. I was, I was watching this YouTube video, this training that somebody sent me and, and I wasn't really paying attention because I had other things going on. So it's kind of playing on my computer in the background. And then the person who, uh, it was a recorded training at like a seminar right. and they, they were doing, they were doing like a little Q and A section. And in the middle of the Q and A, the guy who was watching, he said, Brian, because he was calling on a guy named Brian in the, in the uh, wow. audience. But that enough was enough for me to snap to attention. And I just looked at it as in, like, first of all, I, I felt seen and heard, even though I was watching a recording. So somebody's name is the sweetest sound they'll ever hear. Yeah. What, what can I do to make sure that I'm bringing life-giving words? And, and that the number one life-giving word is Kevin, mm-hmm. right? It's for me yeah. to say, Kevin, you're doing an incredible job, man. This has been so much fun. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Like, think about how you feel right now for me just saying that. And how much did that cost me? Yeah. It actually, I got an ROI on that already. Like, it cost me, I actually got a return. Yeah, you can, I you feel, can keep, you can keep I going. Feel better. Yeah, you can keep going. <laughs> I'm a puddle. <laughs> I feel better about myself yeah. by, by remembering your name. Yeah. And it's like, I just don't think there's any excuse for not remembering people's names. It happens all of the time that I hear people say, I'm just not good at names. What that really is saying, let's just be real. What it's really saying is I don't care enough yeah. to implement a strategy to overcome some of my you know, limitations. Yeah. So maybe it's a memory thing. Maybe you need a mnemonic. I have, I have a couple you know, little techniques I teach in the, in the book. But I got to tell you, you know, like I mentioned soccer before, we have on average, we have about 20, 25 people that play with us. And we've had a rotating kind of group of people, probably 50 total. I can tell you, I know every single one of their names. Wow. I know every single, because I'm intentional about it. And I use the tactics I, I share in the book and it makes a difference. Somebody who's, who hasn't played soccer with us for five weeks and then they show up. And the first thing I say is, Tyler, man, how you been? Good to see you. It's been a while. He, he knows he's in the right place, right? He feels seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And listen, that might never lead to me coaching his organization or speaking at their national conference. But, but 
it made an impact on him and he shows up in a different way. And maybe that means he's going to be kinder to his wife that night, or maybe he's going to, you know, stay up a little longer and help his son with his homework. And I just, you know, the pebble rarely sees the ripple and we're just called to be pebbles. And so I just want to be the best pebble I can be. I don't know if I can capitalize on that, but Brian, so I'm going to, I just, literally, I want to read down through, I, I would love that we could do another show just on these for, you know, no doubt, but I want to read down through them and just, I want to give them to folks first and then just ask you, you know, as you have, as you're teaching this, as you're sharing this, you know, what would you cite it? Cause people are going to see them and go great, but we know that, you know, you put a big task in front of folks and it'll fall by the wayside. If you had to pick out a couple and that may be one of them, I don't know if you put these in order, but where would you say, here, here's some, here's some, if, if you can take a few, here's where you see the biggest ROI. So number one is learn your name Two, send thank you notes, which you did to me. Three, speak life giving words Four, share your resources. Five, keep a gratitude journal. Six, write a review or recommendation. Seven, try what they love. Eight, express gratitude with a gift. Nine, create a morning affirmation. And 10, send birthday wishes. So folks, you just heard that. You're going to go now and buy the book and page 207. You can read it and study through it. But I, in looking at those, um, and if folks, if they had to walk away right now and implement three of them, is that fair to give you that question? Three of them. Uh, I know you're, you're never supposed to quiz the author on their content because they may not remember it all, but if I can do no, so. so good. Uh, no, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. We were pregnant with our second child. I was stressed at work. I was running a, a, a charter school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I was having some trouble with my board and with the, with the local uh, political climate. Um, and we were pregnant and, and Julie was having a tough time. And I, I listened, I think it was Darren Hardy. I listened to Darren and he mentioned a gratitude journal. Hmm. And so I bought a journal at TJ Maxx for like six bucks. It didn't cost me a lot. And I took the journal, I put it in my glove compartment or my glove box. And, and every day for like 60 days or two, like two months, uh, I'd arrive at work, I'd arrive at the school and I'd take out that journal and I'd write one little thing I appreciated about Julie in the last 24 hours. Hmm. Like, thanks for doing this one thing. And I just made it a daily habit. And I actually set, you can set like proximity alarms, you know, like when I arrive, do this, it's pretty cool. So I said like, Siri, remind me when I arrive at school, open the gratitude journal. So she had no idea. And then on Thanksgiving, I gave her this journal with 60 entries about what I appreciate about her. It changed our marriage. Like she still says to this day, it was the best gift she's ever received. Okay. So that's one. We good. Number two. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, I would probably say the affirmation. Affirmations is something I resisted. I always thought it was a little too woo-woo. I I grew up in the church and you don't want to like boast about yourself or whatever. For some reason, I was resistant to it. Uh, I did this for the book launch. It was about six weeks out from the book launch. I was feeling that that pressure and that stress. And I wrote out who I want to be during the book launch, how I still want to ride bikes with my kid, how I still want to play basketball with, with my son, how I still want to have couch time with my wife. And I wrote it out. This is who Brian is, even in the middle of a busy season, like a book launch. And I, I wrote it out and, um, and it was, it was about two, uh, two minutes long. It was, it was a full, it was like a page and a half. Then I went to upwork.com and I hired uh, an Irish voice actress uh, so a lady to <laughs> no read way. this affirmation. So it said, good morning, Brian. I can't do the accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, good morning, Brian. Today you are going to show up for your people, even though you're stressed about your book launch. Like it says that in the recording. That's beautiful. And Kevin, 
every single day, that was the first thing I did. I'd put my ear- AirPods in and I'd listen to this affirmation. It took two minutes and 17 seconds to do. And it completely, like your dad talks about rudder of the day. Yeah. It set the rudder of the day for the rest of the day. Okay. And um, man, I, I can't think of anything better than thank you notes. Like I just, I know we've talked about it before, yeah. but something about getting a handwritten note and, uh, you know, I, I, I give a shout out to our buddy, Giovanna Ellison, because she's just a master at this. Huh. She gave me a thank you note when I first met her. When I first met her, she handed me a thank you note. And I was like, why are you giving me a thank you note? I, we just met. She said, but I've been following you and I appreciate the impact you're having on the world. Wow. I still remember what she said. This is like five years ago. So get some thank you notes. It's really easy. Amazon Prime, you can get it tomorrow, probably tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. You'll have these thank you notes and just keep them with you. And whenever you're waiting you could be at a red light take out a thank you note jot off a little hey and thank you thanks for starting with your people thanks for showing up for your you know like whatever it is but thank them for something specifically and you know and then mail it or get your assistant to mail it and that will make such an impact what i've found is whenever we've moved several times and whenever we're moving one of the hardest things for me to throw away are the thank you notes because they mean so much I have a picture behind me on the wall, a frame thing, and in the corner of it stuck a little postcard of a friend who sent something. We've known each other for years. We hadn't talked to each other in a long time, though. And out of the blue, I got not just a thank you, but he just made a testimony to value I had in his life. And it's not the only one I've ever gotten, but it was just so specific and heartfelt and probably spoke to an area that I, I want to be. And it, it sits there. It just, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you exactly all of what it said, I, I, but the heart feeling of I matter to somebody, which is my heart's cry was yeah. so powerful with again, folks, uh, you know, that this is part of the book. I got to say it was one of the more, um, you know, I, I, I review a lot of books. Sometimes I have to really dig in, really concentrate to get some of the essence, to pull things out, to, to, to discern where I want to go with it. And yours was the most, it was like a handbook. It just, you fed me uh, so much and I wanted to not only bring it to the audience, but I was right away convicted on multiple things, man. I just uh, applaud you for doing the work. I know it's a lot of hard work and just such a powerful message. And again, I'll say with all that I review, it was a, that I feel like is filling a void that's not being spoken of to. So uh, I'll just, I'll thank you, Brian. Kevin, I'm, I'm so honored to be here and so honored to serve your audience and, and just amazed at how this message is, is impacting people. So thank you for having me. Absolutely, brother. Well, friends, as you heard, I'm inspired to take some action steps in putting people first in my business and life. This is a message I just need constant reorienting towards. Again, you can visit Brian's website at briandixon.com, and I'd encourage you to check out his free clarity quiz. And of course, you can get his book there, start with your people or find it at Amazon, Audible, or wherever you buy books. Coming up next in show 716, it's our Q&A show. I bring you a stellar message from Zig Ziglar and then your candid comments are straight from the Ziglar audience. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>